to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, here with you as always. And in today's show, after answering a listener question, which we haven't done in a while, I'll be talking first half stars for fantasy football in 2021 and giving their 2022 outlooks, covering weeks one through nine and half point PPR leagues. Who did a lot better in the first half than the second half? And what is their outlook for next year? That's what we'll be finding out on today's show. Got a bunch of guys to talk about here and a question. So it should be a lot of fun and we will get right into it. It's going to be an exciting show. Glad to be back. If you hadn't seen the Twitter, the new release date, the weekly release date for the podcasts will be Wednesdays instead of Mondays from now on, just so that I can stay on a nice schedule for you guys and not have to be like moving it around every week. It'll come out each Wednesday. You'll get your weekly episode and it's going to be a lot of fun. So thank you guys for tuning in. Excited to be here. The download numbers have crept up a little bit over the last week, uh, which was a nice surprise to see. Actually, they went up pretty significantly. So we're happy to see that and now we're gonna get into it and i'm excited to see that when you guys are downloading the show and listening and utilizing this advice that's the best part of doing this everything i do is free you don't have to pay for anything all i ask is that you continue listening if you need some fantasy advice and it's a lot of fun to keep making these and if you guys are enjoying it all the better so yeah let's get into it high quality fantasy football advice all for free here on the show So thank you so much to everyone who's downloaded the show, subscribed. If you want, you can leave a review. That's always appreciated. That makes our show look even better. People come in and they see reviews and they see happy, uh, satisfied consumers of the content. So yeah, feeling good, ready for episode 136. Let's get right into it. So we've got a listener question first, and I asked for listener questions on Twitter and I got one. So It's a pretty simple one, actually, and um, it's from Payne Ellington on Twitter, and it's pretty simple. Like I said, it's, is this the first year where there's not really a consensus number one pick? And this is a reference to redraft, and I answered it a little bit on the Twitter, but I'm going to dive more deep into it on the podcast. And I would say the answer for that question, is this the first year where there's not really a consensus number one, like a one-on-one in redraft? I would say no. I think there is a consensus number one, and it is Jonathan Taylor. I feel like because of Jonathan Taylor's production, where it was really a tier above everybody else last year, the two guys who have been close in the past, like Derek Henry and Christian McCaffrey, they've both been dealing with injuries. We don't know if Henry's going to bounce back and score as many touchdowns and run as well as he did. He might. He would, could very well have a shot at the RB1. But the fact is, Jonathan Taylor did it for the entire year. You have to trust that proven production. I'm not betting that Jonathan Taylor is going to be the RB1, though, and that's what I want to get to. Jonathan Taylor does have the highest chance to be an RB1, the, the RB1 out of anybody, and that's why you should draft him there. However, obviously taking Jonathan Taylor versus the field, that's an easy choice. Jonathan Taylor was like the RB9 or 10 last summer. He ascended to the RB1. No RB is repeated back-to-back at RB1 overall in like 20 years. That does not mean that you shouldn't take the previous season's RB1 at RB1 again. You 100% should. And it's a logical fallacy you see a lot because after someone's coming off of an RB1 season, they're like, oh, he can't repeat because it hasn't happened. Well, maybe. But then you look at it and you think, oh, well, how many times has the RB2 from a previous season gone up to an RB1 the next year? And same with the RB3 and the RB4. Not very many individually. However, when you take it against the field, someone will always ascend. The fact is fantasy is unpredictable, but any individual player is never a good bet to finish at the top of their position. That does not mean that the top RB from the previous year who was so clearly at the top 
isn't a better bet than anybody else to do it again. That's why he's number one. I'm not guaranteeing he's going to be number one again. I probably, I doubt he will be because stuff always happens. That's how it always is. But that does not mean you should take the RB2 over the RB1 simply because you think that the RB1 is not going to repeat. That's just not logically sound. It's really a very common misconception, surprisingly, that I've seen all over many spaces. Please don't fall into trap. I've seen entire articles written about it. It's not a good strategy. You go take Jonathan Taylor at the 101. If you want, trade down. If your league allows trades of draft picks, that's how you do it, though, in redraft. You got to take the RB with the best shot at it, unless it's like a super weak RB year, but Jonathan Taylor just put up elite production. So that's a good question, though. There are other guys up there, Derek Henry, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, in consideration. They'll all probably go, though, I mean, they'll all be locks for the first round for sure. But the RB1 and the 101 next year is Jonathan Taylor. It is clear, maybe closer than it is, has been in previous years, but it is definitely Jonathan Taylor in my eyes. So thank you for that question, by the way. Uh, if you guys want to submit it, any questions at Calvin underscore SGF on Twitter is where to do it. Tag me, send them in at SGF pod as well. That's where you can get podcast updates either way. I mean, if you send in a question and tag me just on Twitter and say like, say your question, I will answer it on Twitter. I will probably, I might also consider it, including it on the show. We'll see, uh, depending on, I guess you can ask for that as well. If you want it on the show, you can always tag at SGF pod. If you tag at SGF pod, I will assume it's for the show, not just for the Twitter answer. And I'll get that on there. But if you just want your question answered on Twitter, I can do that too. So send it over there. I'll be keeping an eye, my eyes on the Twitter, as I always do, at Calvin underscore SGF. And yeah, we've also approaching 2,600 followers over there. We're actually one away right now. So it'd be cool if before the podcast dropped, I hit 2,600. But yeah, thank you guys for following. Much appreciated. But yeah, let's get into it. First half stars for fantasy in 2021 and their 2022 outlooks. We're talking weeks one through nine, half point PPR. A couple of quarterbacks here on this list. And this is a weird one. I looked through the standings and Tom Brady was the quarterback one from weeks one through nine in fantasy football. He actually dropped off in those weeks just because he was on really a superhuman stretch. He dropped off all the way to the quarterback three, lost a ton of points per game, actually, like quite a few, and wasn't as good. Are we concerned? I mean, is this weird, first of all? Yes, because he did get Antonio Brown in the second half of the year. He got them back, and it really felt like, I mean, there was the Godwin injuries at some points, but it felt like Brady should have been seeing an improvement. I just think he was so good in the first and second half that it didn't really matter for your fantasy teams. And I think this isn't something that's going to end up mattering. Brady may take a slight hit without Antonio Brown because without three, two elite receivers is worse than three. We know that, but he's a great QB. This regression doesn't mean much when he was still performing at an elite level. It just was surprising that this was here. But if anybody's looking at first half rankings and second half rankings and seeing Tom Brady splits and his games drop off, there's no need to worry about that. He's still going to be a QB one for fantasy, but it might, the only reason it might drop off is because you just lost Antonio Brown, who was an incredible third option for the Bucs, and replace him with Russell Gage, who was a quality receiver, but not as good. Brady should be fine. I doubt he sees much downturn from that bump but, or from that loss of Antonio Brown, but there might be a little bit. But there's no reason to be concerned about his first half, second half performance. Carson Wentz. This is one that's more concerning because weeks one through nine, Carson Wentz was a very competent quarterback. 
for fantasy as well. He was putting up really consistent numbers. I had him on my fantasy team. I was starting him week to week because he was doing pretty well, putting up consistent about 18 and a half fantasy points a game. That's pretty good. Then after that, he really fell off in the second half of the year, wasn't reliable, was just putting up consistently mediocre games and helped the Colts miss the playoffs against the Jaguars when they needed to win to get in. Carson Wentz now heads to Washington and it's he's got really limited upside there because I don't see, we haven't seen Carson Wentz run the ball like in the last few years to the extent where rushing upside will help his fantasy production. He's got a weapon there in Terry McLaurin, but Washington's situation isn't that much of an upgrade there from the Colts, maybe a little bit in terms of weapons. Cause they got McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. That's pretty good. So Wentz will throw for some yards and be a good pickup off waiver wires. You don't need to draft him though, maybe in like the last round, but he'll be available for you probably and he could end up even being a quality streaming option the first half of the season. But that just really shows you how deep the quarterback position is. You don't need to go target a guy like Carson Wentz in drafts. There's no point in spending that draft capital. You can get someone just like him on the waiver wire. There are plenty of Carson Wentz's sitting there, especially when they have good matchups during the season at quarterback every single year. That's how it always is. Running back. There were really like the running back rankings i was pretty surprised they were pretty solidified between weeks one through nine weeks 10 through 18 like not many guys were much better in the first half than in the second half so i only have one guy on here who's notable and is like a, a really good player but like this is the third time i've done this kind of episode like the first half stars second half stars um so the third annual wow that's kind of crazy and I don't know if I've ever seen like a position that's really just been as stable. I don't know why that is. I mean, it's not necessarily stable, just stable between the first and second halves. But the one guy I have on here is a guy who was elite in the first half of the season. Weeks one through nine, it was Derrick Henry, the RB1 on the fantasy season. Jonathan Taylor started off the year with a couple difficult games, and that brought down his average a lot. So he might have been a bit closer if it wasn't for that. But Derrick Henry was just fully dominating any defense he took on scoring touchdowns, getting tons of carries. And that's why even after the injury, he's still being drafted as a top three uh, RB consensus, which is weird compared to last year, because what we saw last year was that Derrick Henry was really a more of a borderline top five guy that was before the injury. And he was coming in with just so much upside. I was a big Derrick Henry proponent early in drafts. It ended up working out for you for half the season until he got hurt, but now his value seems to almost have shot up. Like he's actually, actually at the RB four right now, but I've seen him ranked at as high as the RB two by many people and honestly it's not a bad ranking Austin Eckler scored a ton of touchdowns last year they just added Isaiah Spiller to potentially take some inside a little bit of inside work and Christian McCaffrey can't stay healthy and like it's not just a one injury for from by Derrick Henry Christian McCaffrey has a problem with soft tissue injuries that now has him labeled injury prone so Derrick Henry as the RB2 is a fine pick I am really happy about Derrick Henry's first half workload. I don't think that's going to happen. He's not going to average 21.9 points throughout the season. No RB can really put that up like in back-to-back seasons. He's might have to slow down a little bit because I know we've been predicting his downfall for a while, but he has been getting a lot of carries and he finally seemed to wear down a little bit when he had that injury, which I think at one point he was actually playing through and then he just had to go out. It was just too much. He'll come back and be fantastic, but maybe not to that same elite level. I just don't know. Like I, it's not going to be the same 21.9 points per game production. And that's actually in standard. I was looking at that. That's my apologies in half PPR, which is what we cover. He was at 23. That's ridiculous. That's not happening for Derrick Henry um, again, but he'll still be fantastic. He's a great RB. And I think we've kind of learned our lesson a little bit from predicting his downfall early. I'm going to wait till I see it with the outlier. That is Derrick Henry wide receivers. Couple guys here. DK Metcalf. Interesting 
player here. He was the wide receiver five from weeks one through nine, then really fell off, just had no connection. Actually, sorry, the wide receiver seven, but then he really fell off. He just had absolutely no connection at all with Russell Wilson. He was having trouble getting even targeted. And now he gets a major downgrade at QB to Drew Locke. So honestly, I mean, that second half performance from DK Metcalf was a lot about not being targeted. I think Drew Locke's going to throw the ball to DK Metcalf, but first of all, potentially not enough because we know the Seattle Seahawks like to run the ball. Pete Carroll's going to be handing off to Kenneth Walker and Rashad Penny a ton to avoid having Drew Locke and his like miserable incompetence throw the ball. So DK Metcalf will struggle. And these throws, Drew Locke is not a good QB. He's probably the worst starting QB active in the NFL right now. This is going to be hard for DK Metcalf to get consistent production. And third, there are other guys there too. There's Tyler Lockett and Noah Fant to complete compete for targets. We already know Drew Locke likes to throw to Noah Fant from his time in Denver with Noah Fant. They went there together. They've already got the chemistry. DK is going to be wildly inconsistent. Maybe not even a top 24 receiver next year. I haven't done my official rankings, but that's very, very possible. And I think that even seems to be what people are leaning towards. Like people want to rank DK higher because of his talent, but the situation is just so awful. And he's got some ups to maybe elevate Drew Locke a little bit, but they just did not add a QB. Like there's just not enough right there for DK Metcalf to be trusted. And think about it, like think about how Drew Locke was like, I mean, last year, I mean, I guess the Broncos or and how Drew Locke has just been in general, which has been very atrocious, but like Drew Locke over the last couple of seasons didn't even start that much, I guess, last year, but 2020, 2019, he's really just dragged his receivers down. Horrible play. And no one can really produce outside of like a Cortland Sutton modest season. I don't see, especially in this crowded uh, receiver room, this run heavy offense. I just don't see a great path for DK Metcalf next year. Marquise Brown. This was stunning. Marquise Brown was the wide receiver five and half one. He just had a crazy like stretch of weeks, then kind of fell off. Lamar Jackson had injuries. He was all right. Now he's been traded to Atlanta. So that's an interesting spot. DeAndre Hopkins is out for the first six games of the year with a suspension. And now with Kyler Murray, I mean, we all Kyler Murray's been there. Marquise Brown does have potential to do that. I have shied away from Marquise Brown in the past because I thought he was too inconsistent and Lamar Jackson ran the ball too much to be able to give him a consistent target share. But the fact is over the last couple of seasons, he has had stretches of fantasy relevance. And sometimes I will be adamant in my takes about a player and stick with them. I don't think I tend to stick with them for too long, but it's possible I do. Kenny Galladay. I don't know. Maybe I'm, the Kenny Galladay train is dead, but I, I'm sticking with it. But I think I'm changing my mind on Marquise Brown, and I think he's going to be a really, really good player and really maybe even carve out a role once Hopkins comes back. I think Marquise Brown will still have maybe a Christian Kirk-type role, what Christian Kirk used to have when Hopkins comes back. When Hopkins is out, there's plenty of opportunity there. He's a nice pick at his wide receiver 28 ADP to then sell for upside or sell or sell high, I mean, later in the season. I really like Marquise Brown next year as a nice value. And I think that first half success wide receiver five, we shouldn't forget that's pretty darn good. Marquise Brown is, has done elite fantasy production at times before. And he only played eight games in that stretch too. Cooper cup, Tyreek Hill, Jamar chase were all had been played nine games. Marquise Brown with 16 fantasy points per game was on par with a lot of players. That's one that we really just forget that that even happened, but he's, he's going to be good. And I think he might be a bit of a value next year. Tight end. Oh man, tight end. Mike Gesicki and CJ Uzama to wrap this show up. Mike Gesicki was the tight end three in the first half of the season, then fell off. No, he's not going to be good. Jalen Waddle was starting hauling in targets right there. Tyreek Hill, they added. Of course, he's a target monster. 
Um, they added RBs after RB, Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds, Sony Michelle. Ugh, Mike, no, there's no point in spending any sort of middle round capital on Mike Kosicki. He's a dumpster fire pick. There's guys with much more upside. If you're waiting till the later rounds, there are still guys with much more upside. And CJ Uzoma is just a total fluke who had like a few touchdowns at some points. He will be a weird, like two touchdown game guy occasionally, like two or three weeks in the season and do nothing the rest of it. He was the tight end nine in half one and actually the tight end five and standard, I believe, which is what was amazed me. But because like he'd got no catches, but then was just scoring touchdowns, but then dropped off all the way to the tight end 19, even including his first half stats in the second half. He was non-existent. So don't draft CJ Uzoma. So that's it. First half stars, listener question. There you go. This was a fun episode, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Follow on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF at SGF pod. Hope this helps. And we feel free to send questions over on the Twitter. So thanks for listening and I'll see you guys next time. Thank you.